Hi, welcome to the Bougie in a Backpack podcast. My name's Angel. And I'm Mackenzie. So today we're going to go over travel hacking fundamentals. So if you haven't even heard of travel hacking or you don't know what it is or you want to learn more about it, this is the episode just for you. So we're going to go over some of the basics of things that you need to know when you get into travel hacking and about different credit cards, different apps, and different things you can utilize for you to manage your different credit cards for travel hacking. If you guys want, we actually have a link in the show notes and also on Linktree. You can also find this on Instagram. We have a free travel hacking guide. So if this helps you a lot, you can definitely download the guide. It's for free and everything. This might give you a good overview if you want to have a quick recap. If you want to learn about other hacks, we also have a stacking challenge coming up. So you can definitely register for that. It's also free. Sometimes we get into really advanced things occasionally, but we want to just dial it back just like take it back a second and just get back to the beginning so if you're new if this is your first time listening this is a great podcast episode to start on if you're returning welcome back thanks for listening again if you're returning last episode we were about to leave for san juan and now we've returned so i'm curious angel how did your frontier flight go that was cheaper than all the other airlines oh my gosh so i have american Airlines status so american airlines i could have flown bad or i could have used my american Airlines status to fly JetBlue. that also flies there i also have spirit status which i, I got spirit nice. status <laughs> too so these are all other options i had but you know what i, I did instead i I went with Frontier. You know why? I went with Frontier because I had a voucher. So I was like, no, I'm not going to let that voucher go to waste. I'm going to go use this voucher. And this flight was like half the price of American Airlines. So I don't know if that was the first flag. It should have been where it's like half the price to fly on a budget airline. <laughs> then, it's then, too good um, to be true. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, I had to go out of a different airport. So I usually fly out of LAX. So I live really close to LAX. And then my parents, they, they live more inland. So they can either fly out of Ontario. They can fly out of LAX. They can go to Burbank. They go to Long Beach. Like my parents, where they live, is very central to other airports. They're right in the middle. So I had to drive my car to go to my parents' house and then leave my car there. Because to get to Ontario from my house, it's almost 60 miles. But for me to get to LAX, it's oh. like 15. So it's, it's very close compared to 60 miles so i just dropped off my car at my parents house and then my brother drove me to the airport and then what happened was is that when i got to san juan like flying there was fine it, it was i took a red eye i mean some people are very shocked they're like you took a red eye with a budget airline but <laughs> I, I i did it, it was fine i i was lucky i did not pay for a seat i did not get a middle seat i got an aisle seat the the one from ontario to orlando that was in an aisle seat and then my flight to from from Ontario, sorry, from Orlando to San Juan, that was had a window seat, and on the way back, I also had the same thing where I had the, I think I had the middle seat that was in the front, but that was the first row, so that was kind of like the luxurious one where you have like a lot of leg room and everything, and I also got the second row where I had a lot of leg room and there was no one that sat next to me, so I did not have a middle seat at all. I was wow, supposed wait, to have so that from was that from just doing your method of waiting to, <laughs> to check it you didn't pay yeah, extra. So for, yeah so for me like unless I'm flying business or first class or if I use status where you can choose your seat I'm not paying this for the seat assignment fee so literally yeah. I will book until the last minute I'll check in at the last minute but make sure you set an alarm for this because certain airlines have different rules of when the, the last time to check in is usually mm-hmm. it's around 45 minutes to an hour before for your departure it's i think it's even more stringent on the international flights so if you ever do this internationally for any other flights like i know that spirit flies to costa rica and a few other international destinations 
kids. Be mindful of that if the domestic checkout time and domestic check-in time for domestic and international check-in times for different airlines. So for Frontier, I was flying to San Juan. So that's still considered U.S. territory. But what happened was is that you have to pay a seat assignment fee. And depending on which segment it was, you had to pay for each segment. So, you, so like, let's say like you pay $80. That $80 is not for, for the entire thing where you want that specific window seat. Even if it's available, the same window seat you have in aisle 10 on each flight, you're paying that fee four times. You're not paying it one time if you want that specific seat each time. And it depends on where you want to sit in the airplane. It ranged from, I think, like $30 to $80. And then for me, I was like, I'm not paying for this fee. Like, So what I do is that on the last minute, right before um, the, check, um, the check-in time deadline, I check in at the airport. So then I wait until last minute. And usually, most of the time, I mean, granted, this has happened a few times, right? at the middle seat but most of the time I will get either a window seat or I'll get an aisle seat. They usually want to get rid of the middle seats first. They want to get rid of the seats in the back first because they know that people will, will be more likely to buy the seat in the front than the seat in the back. So they rather give the people that are cheap like me who don't want to pay for the seat assignment fee the ugly seats that no one wants that they probably won't sell first. I mean whatever i was doing the trick where you had to like wait the, until the last minute check in anyway so i i still got a decent seat from that one so i'm not going to complain too much but yeah it was kind of annoying because they delayed the flight by an hour and then the flight i was supposed to be on from from orlando to ontario got delayed by a few hours because of the rain in in orlando and then also for that flight we had to stop in denver for fuel because apparently when it rains, they want to have backup oh fuel just in case. So we have to stop in Denver to get more like gas. And I'm like, oh, that's like, so not only that, but then that's not even the worst part. The worst part was I had to shove my backpack into the bin because like I, I paid for a check-in bag. But I thought I, I usually do this where I used to sneak on like I just like, oh, my backpack is a personal item. I can just get away with putting that in the bin. But I didn't know that for Frontier. You cannot squeeze that back to fit in the bin. Every other airline I've flown, like Spirit, Ryanair, or any other budget airline, if you, as long as it, you could squeeze into that bin, you're fine. But for Frontier, you cannot squeeze in that bin. You have to have some wiggle room in the bin. So if it's a little bit over, they're going to charge you for the bag. So they charge me for my backpack. So dumb. And so I didn't know that after finding that out, I was like, okay, whatever. I will pay for this fee. And luckily, because I had a flight voucher that was tied to my booking, this also becomes another problem that I didn't know later. But the worst part of all was for me to shove in the bin. <laughs> I've never, yeah. like, never happened before where they, they make you put it into the... They, they like they tell you to shove in the bin. I, I got stopped once in Spirit for, in Mexico, but I shoved air into that bin. That backpack fit into the bin. The lady was like, okay, just go. But um, Frontier, the, the most strict budget airline that I've flown. I thought Ryanair was bad. Like, back when I was studying abroad in Europe, but Frontier, they're pretty strict. I mean, granted, you're paying half the price that you would pay to fly American Airlines or a different carrier. You're saving money, but you have to follow the rules that they are very specific about. But this is yeah. the first airline that I've flown where you cannot shove it into a bin. It has to have some wiggle room in the bin. That's so weird, too, because like Spirit, I was I was saying in the episode last week, when I did that silly mini fridge thing where I tried to... Yeah bring my backpack with mini fridge they they were encouraging me they're like oh just you know move things around and see and just shove it in there i don't i don't know i don't understand the the logic they're like oh well you can't shove under a seat and it's like yeah you can like what are you talking about and i don't know i did have this happen it's funny because i i almost think that the more budget the airline is the the less strict they are about the shoving but i don't know it seems very inconsistent but i was annoyed we went on our honeymoon we flew easyjet a couple of times mm -hmm. and 
I brought my backpack. It's a giant backpack. But yeah, that for the backpack, they're like, okay, everyone has to put their bag and show that it fits in the bin. And this is a carry-on. It's not a personal. It's way too big to be a personal item, but it's a carry-on. And I go to put it in the bin and homeboy is there it didn't fit right away so he starts like like just doing whatever he can he he literally is jumping on it on the bin and we're in line getting scanned by easyjet they scan everyone first and then you wait in line to board the plane so that you board the plane really quickly so they're doing that everyone's watching us do this like these nutcases and then he gets it and they're like all right it's good it fits and he everyone starts everyone starts clapping like standing there like and he's literally like going like that like thank you he's bowing it was like it was so funny but EasyJet was they were chill about it as long as it fit but then when we flew back we were flying out of Barcelona that was like our last stop for the honeymoon flying business class for Air Europa and first of all we had like just a very negative check-in experience the lady was not happy at the desk she had to move a cart before she got to us and then everyone's already pissed at us because we cut the line because we're business class and like everyone who's in economy is like waiting because there's this huge line and everyone's taking forever and i go to the front and this is for a carry-on size bag she didn't even have me try to put it into the bin she's like you need to check that it was my only bag so i was like i'm not like no i'm not checking it like what are you talking about it's a carry-on and all my stuff was in there so i really didn't want to check it and in case it got lost or whatever mm-hmm. she's like no and then i was like no it'll fit and then my husband he's like i got this and he goes he takes it, he starts putting it in the bin he starts doing his thing shoving it and she goes stop she's like she before he even went to go put the bag in there she's like no don't do it and i'm like how can you look at this bag and say it's not gonna fit like how do you know like you like i don't know and he's like putting it in there and he gets it in he's like look it fits and she's like no that doesn't count because you shoved it i was like and this is business class business class air europa and she's not get like they're not charging a fee for this bag to be checked i just really didn't want to like leave my bag and have it be checked in case like the flight connection didn't work or whatever so i was just like really annoyed and then the worst part though was like all the people in economy were annoyed because we cut the line and then they're like, they're like, just follow the rule. And they're like, oh, you Americans, blah, blah, don't follow the rule. I'm like, this is not, this has nothing to do with following the rules. It just does, this rule doesn't make sense that you can't shove your bag in there to get it to fit. And it fit in EasyJet, like it should fit here. And like, not only that, but we know that it fits in the bin. The overhead bin is pretty big. Like, why would it not fit? I don't know. So I was really annoyed by that. That happened on Air Europa business class. So I don't know. And like, yeah, I'm sure the whole shoving it in the bag is like really obnoxious and stuff. But it was funny. We had like the opposite experience, like EasyJet. Everyone's like, yeah, like you go like you shove it in there. And and everyone on Air Europa is like, screw you guys. Like, just go like you stupid Americans. Like, and then and then the lady didn't even I was annoyed, too, because Usually when you're flying business class, they're like, oh, because you're flying business class, you have access to this lounge. And they say it. They didn't say anything. They're just like, get out. Like they were like, I don't know. She was get like, out of here. <laughs> yeah, I was like, OK, that was about actually, I don't know. A lot of people have told me they have similar experiences with Air Europa. So I, don't I, know. I haven't I, flown them, so I, I, I don't have any experience with them. But after that experience for Frontier, I, I think I'm going to look up one of those personal items behind the bag that fits exactly there for that specific size. If I fly, but I don't know if I'm going to fly Frontier anytime soon. It's not even, even I my... mean, even if you stuff it too, it might not fit. Like they might say, oh, it's shove it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think my hack for this is like, I, I end up put everything into the, in the tote bag and just, yeah, it's fine. I think. 
Okay. Okay. Now we're going to talk about more of the basics of travel hacking. If you're confused, we're going to start from the very beginning. So what is travel hacking? I mean, I think a lot of people have different definitions for it. So I'll share my definition, which is basically it's how you save money on travel. Some people only consider points and miles credit cards, but I think there's a lot of different ways that you can travel hack. And that's kind of what we talk about, you know, not just using points and miles from credit cards, but just from knowing different ways that you can save money. But what we're talking about today, as far as the basics go, is how you can earn credit card points and miles, because there's a lot of misconceptions about it, too. People think you need to spend a lot of money. I hear a lot of people say when they talk about travel hacking, churning cards, and I'm like, you don't have to churn cards to earn points and miles. Like Churning is when you basically open a card and earn the sign-up bonus, close it, and open it again. And people do that, but you, you don't have to do that. I barely ever close cards. I don't know about you, but I, I don't ever plan on closing like my American Express Gold card, for example. Like I don't really do that a lot of people think that that's what it is. So they're afraid to do it because they think that's what you have to do. And then there's also just like the fear of ruining your credit score, which I'm just going to go ahead and assume that Angel, you have a really high credit score. I also have a really high credit score, like 800s or high seven. I think I'm high 700s right now. So but you, you don't have to ruin your credit score by getting in travel hacking and points miles. I don't know. What do you think? What is your definition of travel hacking? So for travel hacking, I see it where you take advantage of all the different rules in place that the airlines, mm -hmm. hotels and the other programs have in place. And you use it for your advantage to book travel. So like I, I book things differently depending on the different airline rules. So like an easy example is how like for British Airways. So British Airways, that is a transfer partner for both Chase and American Express. I would never use that to book British Airways flight because of the high fuel surcharges that I would have from flying from LAX to London versus I would use British Airways to fly domestic flights. Likewise, I would not use American Airlines miles to fly domestically in the US. I would use British Airways because American Airlines miles in the US are priced dynamically where they don't have the pricing. Also because American Airlines miles are very valuable and they're better for international flights than domestic flights. So I would use American Airlines miles. So example would be your Japan Airlines. So I mean, I guess like I, I booked this with Japan Airlines. I'm trying to think of, was it 80,000 points? That it was cheaper to use. For first um, class or? Yeah, I booked first yeah, class. Yeah, first class oh. is 80,000. Yeah, flying yeah, from the US, to. yeah, US to Tokyo. Yeah, flying Japan Airlines. If you use American Airlines, it's eighty thousand mm -hmm. points. Yeah, class, so yeah. I I did the reverse where I flew from Tokyo to LAX that way mm -hmm. to back home, and you did you did the other direction where you flew leaving the US to Tokyo that way. In business for, for class, yeah. Yeah, and, but I did oh, sixty thousand points business class. Yeah, you did business yeah. class, and I did first. So mm -hmm. I would do different things based on the airline partner. Like I would not use like American Airline miles in the U.S., but I would use them abroad. Likewise for British Airways, I use them only within the U.S. I don't do not use them when I'm in um if I'm flying to London, for example, because London has very high fuel store charges. So you kind of just have to know what are the different rules in place for different airline and hotel programs. Similar like how like some hotel programs that you can use you can get the fourth or fifth night for free if you book the four the four nights in a row on points or the three nights in a row with points there's different rules depending on each hotel or like airline partner it just depends on what you're doing so like i take that all into consideration when i book my vacations what are the different rules in play and how can i save the most points and money with all the different rules in place are there different stacks i can do with coupons on my credit cards are there different reward programs where there's a transfer bonus is there a special deal going on where i could get like a high bonus journey like what are the different rules that are in place what are different promotions that are in place that i can take advantage of to save more money and points for 
for my flight or hotel. That's what I see travel hacking as. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good definition, I think, is is just knowing and how to take advantage of them. Because it's not always just points and miles. It's knowing, you know, those different perks that you can do. W- one of the basics that confuses people a lot, too, is thinking that in order to earn points and miles that you have to get a card that is that literally says the airline name on it or a hotel name, which these are called co-branded cards. So there's a couple different rewards cards that you can have to earn any kind of rewards. So there's flexible points cards. That's we talk a lot about American Express, Chase, Capital One, Citibank, and Built. Those are all points that those are all cards that when you spend money, you're earning points that can be transferred to airlines or hotels. And sometimes you can also use it as cashback too. But a lot of times the the real advantage is getting those points because like we said, that flight from that flight for American Airlines, that was sixty thousand points. If you were just earning cashback, you would get six hundred you'd get six hundred dollars. But if you were getting points, you could get the equivalent that flight is probably a couple thousand dollars. So you would never be able to find a flight to Japan in business class for $600. That's a great deal. So you, you're, you're getting a lot more value when you use points often, not always, but sometimes. And that's where, you know, you have to know the value of the points. And that's, that's, that gets, you'll learn that down the line. But just like for beginners, there's, those are flexible points cards, but there's also airline co-branded cards and there's hotel co-branded cards, which I'm not saying that they're not to have them, like they have their time and place, but especially hotel cards can be great. A lot of them, you get a free night and that basically covers the cost of the annual fee. And then you get like hotel status and different things. But the air miles, a lot of people will just only have one airline card. They'll have like an Alaska airline card or a Delta card. And they're like, oh, well, I do this travel hacking thing where I have a Delta card, but I can't get any free flights because whenever I go to search on Delta, Delta is famous for having very sometimes really low uh, value redemption. So sometimes flying in the US will be like 40,000 Delta Sky Miles, which is crazy because you can fly to Asia for 40,000 Delta Sky Miles. But if you don't know that, you you might think that, oh, this is an unattainable thing. But that that's where knowing the different rules come into place. And then there's also cashback cards, which are, they can be advantageous, but I usually don't, I'm usually my goal is to earn more points for travel. But if you can get really good cashback, it can be worth it. If you get like 5% cashback, that could be really good. But for me personally, I like to focus on my top focus is flexible points cards. And then when it makes sense, if I have a specific goal in mind, I'll do some airline cards and hotel points cards. Yeah, I definitely agree with that to have a specific goal in mind. So I definitely put the flexible ones first. So mm-hmm. I the flexible ones examples are like Chase Sapphire Preferred, City Premier, mm-hmm. American Express Gold. Those ones you can easily transfer to the different airline and hotel transfer partners that they have. Some of them overlap, some of them don't overlap. So just keep that in mind. So like British Airways, that's both on American Express and Chase. For hotel programs, those are good if you want a free whole night stay. So like an example is that if you get the Hyatt credit card on your anniversary, you get the free certificate for one, category one through four. So if you think about it, you're paying a $95 annual fee, but you get one free night a year. So if, you're, if your hotel cost is more than $95, then you pretty much offset that cost, right? From having the free night certificate. And then for the airline credit cards, some of them come with free bags. So that's advantage mm-hmm. if you do check in bags a lot. But keep in mind, they don't have all the same protections. Like I know that for example is Southwest. 
on the $69 credit card, I think it's 69 it's, it's the lower one. That one actually yeah, charges foreign transaction dollars. fees. So even though it's an annual fee credit card for on Southwest, that one still charges foreign transaction fees. And I don't think they have trip delay either or trip interruption cancellation. It's one of them or both of them that they don't have versus if you use your Chase Sapphire preferred card or Chase Sapphire Reserve, it has trip interruption cancellation, trip delay. So just keep in mind that some of the airline and different... um hotel credit cards they don't have all the same protections a notorious one that i would say out of all of them is city so city has american airlines credit cards but none of the city credit cards have travel protections on there so if you're looking for trip delay trip cancellation interruption it's not on the american airlines credit card that's issued by citibank so you would have to if you want to like buy an extra like travel insurance outside that if you want to protect your trip because on city it's not baked in so like you have to kind of mm-hmm. consider all the different things. So do you value the free bag more that you get from American Airlines credit card through City, or do you care more about having the travel protection? So you kind of have to value these things out where you're like, okay, I want the free bag, but it's cheaper for me to buy travel insurance. So it's okay. Or no, it's not okay. I want that one more where I pay for the bag, but then I have a peace of mind that I booked it with travel protections on my credit card. So you have to do the math depending on how often you travel. Is it cheaper for me to buy travel protections because my travel credit card has them, but I'm going to book on a flight with American Airlines because I want the free bag because I don't have status. Is it cheaper for me to book the flight with them through my American Airlines credit cards because I get American Airlines miles? Also, because I, I want to get the free bag. So is it cheaper for me to buy travel insurance after that or do I just forgo the travel insurance and just risk it? So these are all the different mm-hmm. things that you have to consider for different airline, hotel, and credit card programs. Which ones have the benefits that you want to take advantage of and which ones come to play for your lifestyle? So for me, like because I have American Airlines status, I also have American Airlines credit cards it doesn't really factor in for me because i'll just use my amex plat card and get 5x on airlines so i'm fine with that where i won't earn american airline miles because i don't think it's advantage for me because if i pay with american airlines credit card just to get the free bag i already have a free bag because of status anyway so it doesn't affect me so you get with someone like that you just you get a free bag just for having the credit card you don't have to pay for the bag with the credit card i think you do on certain airlines i think for united Uh, for some uh, maybe for some i don't know because i have three american airline cards that i just don't i don't even use them like i never spend on those cards but i have free bags just because i have because i'm a and it like on my boarding pass it'll say credit card holder so i don't think you actually need to spend but sometimes you do like if you want to use like the wi-fi for example like you have to pay with the card to get those credits back for certain Mm -hmm. yeah but i think for united you have to i think that's one of the ones that you have to for United, oh, okay. I don't know. Free bag. Yeah, I've heard that from other people. Like, where if you're using the free bag from them, I mean, it's case dependent. This can change at any time. But like, mm-hmm. I heard that from for United, for example, if you if you have the United credit card, you have to pay with the United credit card to get the free bag. That's what I've heard. Okay. I don't know if it's true true or not. But I'm not sure. I don't think I've. Ever, well, I also have right now. I have Starlines Gold status, so I haven't paid for check bag. Yeah, well, so but, that that wouldn't yeah. affect you right now. So like, yeah. um, I think it depends on your situation. For me, I, I I um, if you guys don't know, I usually try to avoid any fee, so I don't want to pay for a seat assignment. <laughs> no, fee. really, I thought I, you I just love paying fees. <laughs> no, I don't want to pay a seat assignment fee. I don't want to pay for a carry on fee. I don't want to pay for a check back fee. If it's yeah. fee, if it's free, I will take it. 
But if if I have to pay, then I'm not having it. I'm not. I'm gonna find a way around it. I mean, that has got me in trouble before for Frontier, where like I didn't know that you couldn't shove a bag in the bin. So then I end up paying a fee, but that's fine. But it has worked out in the past where sometimes I sneak on a bag in spirit and get away with not paying for that fee. So it has worked in both directions. But I think you just have to take in consideration all the different rules. Even if you want to travel hack budget airline, like Spirit, for example, if you have the Capital One Venture X card, you can actually book your Spirit flight in the Capital One portal. But you can't through the Chase portal or Amex portal. But you can through Capital One if you want to use your three hundred dollar travel credit. But even cheaper than that, if you want to use your Chase Sapphire Reserve credit for three hundred dollars, you can buy your Spirit ticket at the airport and save on the carrier fee. So it depends on which different rules you have for each one. So you can see how if I was to a spirit flight it's very different if i have only a capital one venture x card and it's different if i have a chase sapphire reserve card it depends what i'm doing it depends what goals i have am i trying to use up the chase sapphire reserve credit for this do i have another reason to use the capital one venture x credit for something else so you have to take in all the considerations for different banks and how they play into your goals yeah and i i do think though it, it can be it can be kind of daunting for people because we talk about these things because they we learn we know these things by heart because we've a lot of times messed with it or like made mistakes where we accidentally used the wrong card with that didn't have protection and then this happened and then we're like oh we should use this we should got more points with this card but you don't have to know all the rules to get started and i think a lot of people are afraid to get started because they want to just like learn how it all works before they even dip their toe in but you really learn by doing however one thing that's really important before you start is to know the rules of the banks and because sometimes you can't even open a card if you already have broken the rules. And the one that people talk about the most is the 524 rule with Chase, which is Chase won't issue you a card if you've opened more than five personal cards in the past 24 months. And so that doesn't include business cards except for from Capital One, TD, and what's the other one? Discover, Discover, right? Discover. So that's one rule of the of banks. But also Capital One is pretty strict too. They pretty much won't give you a card if you they won't let you open a card if you've if you're past 524 as well, if you've opened more than five cards in the past 24 months. So and City is kind of they can be kind of strict too. Like every bank has their own rules and knowing that before starting, that way you don't go and open six American Express cards and then try to open a Chase card. Because because as far as opening a card goes, I would say American Express is the most chill. They're not as strict about credit score. You still need to have a pretty good credit score, 690, 700, but you don't need like a 720 to open a card with them. But you do need to know before you start. That's why a lot of people say start with Chase because they're the most strict, but they're not like the end all be all chase and i think i also kind of like i think people value the 524 status too much sometimes preventing that from letting them open american express card which is unfortunate because american express has a great program they have the most airline transfer partners and they have great bonuses they have really good offers on their cards so like i'm a huge fan of american express and i think a lot of times i mean i still encourage beginners to start with the Chase Sapphire Preferred is like a pretty common beginner card, but because it's, you know, it teaches you how to earn points and to how to transfer them to the hotels and airlines. Because th- another thing that happens is people think that the portal, they think that's transferring your points because you go, when you go into the Chase app, there's a little airplane and it's like travel. It says travel on it. You click it and it's an airplane. It's like you think maybe, oh, this is how I'm going to transfer my points to the airlines. But there's another button that says transfer 
And that's where you transfer your points directly to the airline rather than booking it through the portal. Because when you book through the portal, you're still spending your points, but it's exact value. For Chase Sapphire Preferred, it's 1.25 cents per point of value you get, but you can get two cents per point or four cents per point if you actually transfer it directly to the hotel, especially Hyatt. You can get like four cents per point sometimes when you're transferring it directly. So that's something that's really important to know is transferring points and knowing which cards have which transfer partners. Also, when you're redeeming, just from Remember that credit card points, airline miles, and hotel points, they're all not equal. So like hotel mm-hmm. points, they tend to be the least value. You think of um, Hilton points, not Hyatt. Hyatt's the exception to rule. Hyatt is the exception, yeah. Hyatt's the exception to rule where there are points you could get easily at least two cents or higher. Hilton, it's it's a lot harder for me to use Hilton points. I've used Hilton in the past where, let's say like you you want to book something where you get, you book five nights, but like mm-hmm. um, you pay for four nights, but the fifth night's free. You can yeah. use Hilton easily for that. I've done that for Marriott. So when I was in the Maldives, me and my friend Sinitra, we booked the hotel on Marriott with because they had like the buy five nights, you pay for only four nights. So we, we you can also transfer points to other people. So I transferred my Marriott points to her for her to book the hotel. So mm-hmm. you can also do that in different hotel programs. I've done it a lot with my other friends where I transfer them points. Uh, we actually did one together too in Dallas. Oh, yeah, we did, points yeah. to me too. That was Hyatt yeah. though. Yeah, that was for those Hyatt. Those are very valuable points. Yeah, those are different. So you can definitely, like a lot of hotel programs like Hilton, Marriott, Hyatt, you can transfer points to other people. So if you want to pool together points because you're traveling with someone else, you can definitely do that too. So there's mm-hmm. different ways. And then like for credit card programs, it's very dependent on the where you live. So like for Chase, you can transfer them within the household, but you can't do that for other credit cards. For American Express, you can, if you're an authorized user, you can both transfer to British Airways. So if you're trying to pull in points, you can pull in points that way where you're trying to transfer to the same program, but you cannot transfer. In the program, in the same you can pull it if you can't pull yeah. it within your credit card. Yeah. yeah. But in the in household, you cannot transfer American Express points to each other. City is more lenient. City, city you could transfer to anyone, I believe. So that's very lenient. It just depends on what your goals are. I mean, I just in general, I think I think that Chase and American Express have the best as far as like the big banks go. I think Built has some pretty good partners too, as far because I mean, sometimes you look at the transfer partners, you're like, oh, none of these are US-based airlines, but you can also transfer them to, like Angel had alluded to earlier, you can transfer points from Chase to British Airways and use that to book an American airline flight in the US. It doesn't say British Airways on it at all. You don't ever touch British Airways. You don't even touch the continent of Europe on this flight, but you can book a flight and it's usually cheaper when you're booking from a transfer partner that is not the airline that you're flying. A lot of times that's the case, but the availability is a little bit lower. It's harder to find those flights, but they exist and I do it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, so I think this also ties into alliances and knowing which airline Mm -hmm. belongs to one each alliance. So you have different alliances. So like one of them is Star Alliance. So Star Alliance, you have United, you have Avianca. So here's an example of American Express and also for Chase. So American Express and Chase, they have Air Canada. So you can use Air Canada to actually book a United flight. And same thing with Avianca. You can do the same thing because they're all part of Star Alliance. There's a bunch of other airlines that are also on the alliance, but that's just one easy, easy example for Star Alliance. Next, you have a Sky Team. Yeah. So on Sky Team, you have Virgin Atlantic, you have Delta, and you have Air France, KLM. So you can... So you can use your points. So if I'm trying to book a Delta flight, but Virgin Atlantic, I compare both Virgin Atlantic and Delta, but Virgin Atlantic is cheaper because it's only 7,500 points versus Delta might charge me double of that. 
I'm going to use Virgin Atlantic points and transfer my points from American Express to Virgin Atlantic to book that flight because it's cheaper and it's still in the same alliance. Because as long as an airline is on the same alliance, you can use that to book it. So they also sometimes they have partners. So Air Canada is one example of that. That's a little bit more advanced. Where um, just for a quick um, example, um, I use Air Canada to buy to buy an Etihad flight. So when I flew from um, Chicago to Abu Dhabi, Etihad's not part of any alliance, but because they're a partner of Air Canada, I can do that. So I can use any partner that they have. It doesn't have to be on the same alliance. But if you're looking for just quick, easy examples, as long as an airline's on the same alliance for something that you're trying to book. So for Sky Team, that's like. Delta, Virgin Atlantic, Air France, KLM, then you're fine. Same thing with Star Alliance, where you have United, you have Avianca, you have Air Canada. Those are just a few members of the alliance. There's a lot more airlines that are on that alliance. If you're trying to book a flight with either or, if the partner opens it up for you to book that flight, you can use your points for that flight if you see it open. You always compare them to make sure that it's which one, whichever is the cheapest option for you to transfer your points. Because sometimes some of them are more expensive than others. I know, for example, for Air Canada, that one, they, their fees tend to be higher than booking through Avianca. So for the same mm-hmm. flight. So like if you're trying to book something, it might be more expensive sometimes. So sometimes I just take the risk of Avianca. I'm like, I have never had any issues. I'm going to take the risk of Avianca. Air Canada, I heard it's a lot better customer service than, than Avianca. I have not dealt with problems with Avianca before, so I cannot say how I've dealt with customer service in the past. But I've always been lucky whenever I book stuff with Avianca. So I've had no issues. Um, the third example we're going to give is also One World. So One World, you have British Airways, you have American Airlines, you have Alaska. So for me, for British Airways, British Airways and American Airlines in Alaska, they're all part of One World. So what I did was when I was booking my flight to go from Seattle, so I was actually booking this flight from, um, where was I going? I was going from LAX to Seattle. I flew in Alaska. So I actually used my British Airways points to book that flight. So I transferred uh, British Airways. It's a transfer partner for both American Express and Chase. I transferred my points from British from American Express or Chase. You can use either one. I use American Express. I transferred from American Express to British Airways because I saw available on the website. So you never really want to just speculatively transfer points. I mean, you can if you want to, but I don't. Because once your points leave the bank, they stay with that transfer partner. So for me, I don't really transfer points out until I see that there's availability. I don't book things speculatively. I don't know like, oh, well, like one year down the line, I might use this American airline. I might use these British Airways points because there's a transfer bonus going on right now. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that risk. So I just save them. So when I was trying to fly from LAX to Seattle, it was 9,000 points, but it was like 200 something to book with cash. So I got like a two cents redemption. I transferred my points from, from American Express to British Airways to fly in Alaska for that flight. So it just depends on what you're mm-hmm. trying to do. So knowing the different alliances are key. Likewise, another example for One World that I've done is that American Airlines. So when I flew to Japan, so when I was flying from Tokyo back to LAX, I used my American Airlines miles to book a Japan Airlines flight. So Japan Airlines and American Airlines, they're on the same alliance for One World. So I did that to book my flight to go home, and I flew in first class. So when I booked it from Tokyo to LAX, so to Los Angeles, I used American Airlines miles to fly on Japan Airlines because they're part of One World. So knowing the different alliances are key. So like as a quick recap, you have like Star Alliance, which is like United, Air Canada, Avianca. There's a bunch of other ones also on Star Alliance. Next, you have Sky Team. So you have Delta, you have Air France, KLM, you have Virgin 
Virgin Atlantic. Then the third one, you have it's One World. So you have American Airlines, you have Alaska, you have British Airways. These are just some of the airlines that are on that program. There's a lot more partners that are on the program. But as a quick, easy one, those are the easy examples I can come up with that you can easily use to book flights. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really good to know, especially because a lot of the transfer partners will use distance-based award charts so you can save money that way mm-hmm. or you can save your points that way by as opposed to ones that are like more dynamically priced. For example, usually I mean usually for United, I will fly I fly a lot from Indiana to to New Jersey to visit family right now until until I make my big move. So, I have been booking a lot of United flights, but I book it through Avianca because on United, the lowest I've ever seen on United is like 12.5K or like 12,500 United miles. But sometimes it's up to like 30,000 United miles for that same flight. Avianca, that same flight will be like 7,000 miles. It's like so much. It's it's usually half. And then if there's a transfer bonus, like Citibank had a transfer bonus recently. So I did that for my upcoming flight on Friday, actually. Then you're not you're just saving so much by doing that and you can transfer chase points to united or you could take your american express points and transfer them american express or city points and transfer them to avianca instead and use less points that you earned so it can save you a lot that way and also just like that same exact flight that i was going to take would have been 349 dollars. so there's so much money to save by knowing these different tricks but i mean that's a little bit more advanced too like the the knowing the different transfer partners and we're definitely gonna go into that we're gonna we'll do a whole thing on that don't worry and break down how you can figure out how to do that and everything but just knowing that that's an option for you can kind of reiterate why it's a good idea to earn these flexible points because it gives you the most options because if you're earning chase points you have the option you could transfer it to united you could transfer it i mean you can transfer to like united southwest but you could also transfer it to british airways chase is not a partner with american airlines but you can still fly american airlines if you transfer your chase points to british airways so there's there's even if it seems like those aren't the transfer the transfer partners aren't what you want for the flight that you want to take, there's a good chance you still could fly it if they're part of the alliance. The exception to that is Southwest. Basically, Southwest, the only way to book Southwest is either transferring from Chase to Southwest or by using a Southwest co-branded credit card, which those are those can be advantageous too because you can earn a companion pass with that if you do like to fly Southwest. I personally don't fly Southwest that often, but yeah, it's I mean it can get very complicated, but you can you can know a very little amount and still take advantage and work your way up to doing these more complicated redemptions. But over time, I mean, I've saved last year, I think I saved over $25,000 in travel just by uh, by knowing how the, these rules work. And I don't spend that much money. I think people think like, oh, you must be like a high spender or like, I don't know. I really don't spend that much money. I'm very frugal. Like we bear it. We won't even pay for a, to pick our seats on a flight. Like we are like, we are bougie in a backpack. Okay. So we don't spend that much money, but we still earn a ton of points because we are strategic and we also don't spend our points. We don't spend them willy nilly. Like we, we, try to get the best redemptions that we can and and that's how you that's how you can save a lot of money by doing this so if you guys want we actually have a link in the show notes and also on linktree you can also find this on instagram we have a free travel hacking guide so if this helps you a lot you can definitely download the guide it's for free and everything this might give you a good overview if you want to have a quick recap 
like of what travel hacking 101 is so it, it, you really have to know what kind of goals you have um luckily if this sounds a lot for you we do have notes in the show notes we do have a free mm-hmm. travel hacking guide for you to get the 101 basics if you want to learn about other hacks we also have a stacking challenge coming up so you can definitely register yeah. for that it's also free um we also do a free credit, free credit card consultations for both of us do so you can also reach out to both of us so you can definitely find all these different tips that we have for you guys just for you guys and these resources are free you can also replay the podcast i don't know if you want to, <laughs> to like listen to all the notes and stuff again you can also play it on else. like half speed yeah, and you be can, like okay you can, you can also have we talk really again. fast <laughs> But there's also, you don't need to start right away. So, I mean, no. a good place to start would be get our guide. You can also join our Facebook group if you if you want to talk to other people about points and miles. If you have questions, you can always talk about that in the group. We'll be, we're in the group too. And definitely join our challenge next week. If you listen the day is released, then it'll be next week, June 19th to 23rd. Those are just some of the basics of travel hacking. I know we got you know, a little bit in depth, but we kind of just want to show you how you can start and where you can be. There's a lot of opportunities to be had. There's a lot of money you can save. There's a lot of perks you can get, free cruises if you're an angel. And we hope that this was helpful. If you found it helpful, it'd be great if you could leave a review, five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, either or or both. If you didn't like us, definitely don't leave a review and don't <laughs> and share with your friends if you did like this. You can screenshot the episode and and we'll see you next episode.